When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, everybody, welcome back to another edition of the 12 Questions Podcast. My name is Jeff Buck. I'm a motorsports writer for The Athletic, and each week I ask the same 12 questions to a different race car driver. Up next, it's the Daytona 500 champion, Ricky Stenhouse Jr., if you're listening to this when it comes out, we are heading to Daytona for the regular season finale. So that is why we want to get Ricky on this week. And if you're not listening to this when it comes out, you're listening to the next week. Well, he's a playoff driver too, so it's a double dip. And we're heading into the playoffs, of course, right after Daytona with Darlington being the first race. Anyway, Ricky and his JTG Doherty Racing Team have had a great season. Really one of the surprises of the year, along with RFK Racing. 47 team, when they won the Daytona 500, we thought, wow, you know, it's sort of a, a win from somebody that's going to be outside the top 20 in points and steals a playoff spot. But he's actually been in the top 16 almost all season long and, and in position where he would have made it on points anyway, perhaps. So quite the uh, turnaround for that team. And let's go ahead and get our interview started with Ricky Stenhouse Jr. All right, everybody. I'm here for a 12 questions interview with Ricky Stenhouse Jr. heading back to Daytona. It's got to be pretty cool for you. Yes, can't wait. Uh, I felt like last time we were there, obviously, it was kind of chaotic after the race. And um, it'd be nice to just kind of get down there, kind of relax a little bit and uh, enjoy walking back into Daytona. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Absolutely. All right. So I've got 12 questions for you here. The first one this year is you have to pick one chore or obligation to do every day for a year. But if you make it doing this for the entire year, every day, you never have to do it again for the rest of your life. So what would you like to pick and knock out forever? Take the trash out. Oh, taking the trash out. Yeah. Yeah. My driveway is really long. Uh, so I got to like drive it to the end of the driveway. Oh, <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> that would probably be one that I would, I would, I would do it. I mean, I still, I, I guess I do it every, every week, every day anyway, but I, if I wouldn't have to do that again, that'd be nice. How do you make sure it doesn't Cause like sometimes if you put the trash in your car, and there's like liquids you could like spill in your car. Truck. Put it in the truck. Oh, bed. Truck. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yep. That's a, that's the perks of having a truck. Cause, <laughs> there you go. uh, I have, when I didn't have my truck, I would like hold it out the window just in case. <laughs> that's a good strategy. I, I can't, I yeah. can't argue with that. I need to get a drone. Yeah, drone. There you go. Trash yeah. drone. Yeah. Yeah. I have to work on that. <laughs> Can you describe how you are as a passenger in a street car? Most of the time I probably keep, keep what I'm thinking to myself as far as like, you know, oh, I would have gone right there or, you know, like, what are you waiting on? I'll say it every now and then, but I, otherwise I keep pretty quiet. Um, and I really don't think about a whole lot. I just chill. Um, you know, obviously I get on my phone, do whatever, but uh, I can look out the windshield like on a road trip long as music's playing, I can just relax. And 
uh, my wife every now and then will be like, what are you thinking about them? Absolutely nothing. Like I don't <laughs> want to think about anything and I'm just writing. That's so nice. Yeah. I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm a decent passenger. We don't get that many opportunities to do that. That's kind of stuff these days in this, in I know. this world. So yeah. it seems like, like now when I'm driving around by myself, it's, you know, between, you know, the shop and, you know, getting home, I feel like I'm making calls and like getting things done so that I don't have to do it when I get home. So I don't get to enjoy music and, and stuff as much anymore. So that's what I do when I'm passenger. All right. What is an app on your phone that you love using and think other people should know about? Oh, that other people should know about. I have to look. Uh, <laughs> um, I would say two of the ones that I use probably the most are the whoop app. Mm. Constantly looking at right here. Yeah. Yeah. I'm constantly looking at sleep and then like workouts and, and the race. Uh, and then I use, uh, my fitness pal a lot, just tracking oh, okay. yep. things like that. So that's about all I use. And then, I mean, if you don't have like dirt vision and flow downloaded, you probably should. Cause I'll yeah. watch a lot of races on there for the, my fitness thing. Like, do you put your food and everything in that? Yeah. So you keep up with that, like pretty that, cause that's hard to do to keep up. In that it's habit, hard you know? to do. Like when I was in Knoxville last week or a couple weeks ago, like I, it was very like, I don't use it. Cause I'm like, I just got a burger from the concession stand. I don't know how to put that in. So yeah. Right. Right. There's times that I just kind of enjoy myself and just do whatever. But like when I'm home, uh, I definitely track and, and, uh, try and eat really well. Okay. What do you do to make yourself feel better when you're having a crappy day? Either like something like work out or like if I've already done that golf, I like to go golf. I feel like golf puts me in a good mood. Yeah. I wake I've, up in a great mood knowing I'm going to play golf. So like if it's a crappy day and there's time left, I mean, going golfing is good. Yeah. I, I have a golf related question later, so I'll explore that topic a little bit more right. in a couple minutes. <laughs> um, so this next one, I'm asking people to answer uh, an advice column question that was submitted by readers or like a Dear Abby type thing. Like, and I'm just matching various questions to different drivers. So okay, this person says, um, I currently have a boss who I just can't get along with despite my best efforts. I am now at a crossroads in my role where I can't decide whether I need to even put in more effort into strengthening the work relationship or just get out of the toxic environment but then I'd be considered a quitter. How would you deal with this struggle? So for me, I feel like I'm really good at just putting things to the side and putting things behind. So I just, I would just keep plugging away. Like that would be like my MO with it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I don't know if I'd put a ton more effort into like getting along, but like I would still just show up, do my job and roll out. But I don't know. That's tough. So, yeah. So you're saying like, you can't let the boss ruin your gig. Wouldn't let if the you boss keep doing ruin it. my, like if, especially if it's a job that like I enjoy, like I want to keep doing that job, right? Like you got that job for a reason. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't know. Like I would, I'd just plug away and just do your own thing. And if the boss wants to end up liking you, then they will. Okay. Well, that's, just, I like that. Just, just do the job better than, if they do the same job somewhat, just do the job better than them. And eventually they'll be out. Yeah. No, okay. Take their job. Okay. Do whatever take, you can to take their job. 
Okay. That's even better. That's even better. That'd be the best. Yeah. All right. This next one's a debate type question about like things we encounter in life. So let's say you're standing at in line at a coffee shop, right? And you're like sort of in the middle. So there's like a few people in front of you, few people behind. You're not like at the, at the back, whatever. You're just sort of in the middle, but somebody comes along and they like cut in front of you to the point where it's not just like a mistake. They knew what they were doing. They cut, right? Yeah. So how are we supposed to handle this? Because like you could either let it go and you're pissed off, but then there's people behind you also that might want you to say something. But if you say something, it might cause like a scene. So what, like, what are we supposed to do in this, in this kind of situation? I'm not a scene person. I, I just sit there, you know, kind of like the, the job, like I would just get in there, do my job and just roll on with it. This, I would, I, I just wait in line. And I'm like, clearly that person is in a big hurry or they're just really lazy, have no patience. And that's not my problem either, but I will let somebody else say something first. Um, I'm just, I'm just in the middle of the line and I'll wait my turn. Dude, I'm, I'm a thousand percent with you. Even if somebody wrongs me in some way like that, I might like, be, I mean, it, it doesn't re- cause it doesn't really matter at the end of the day. I mean, unless Unless like you're going to miss your flight at the airport. that I mean, that's the only time that it really matters. But most every other time, I don't know. It just, it doesn't bother me that bad because I don't feel like it's that critical. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. Like it gets under my skin, but I'm like, I'll be over it in two seconds. Yeah. I like that. I mean, you, I, I can see that you're, you're, I like the whole vibe that you have there through these questions. It's very, you know, just like let stuff roll I off your back. I like this. I don't really ever get like super excited. I don't get like super mad, but I just kind of like stay right in the middle. Okay. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Okay, so this is the golf question, I promise. So, um, so personally, I gave up golf a few years ago because it was too frustrating for me because all the only person I could be mad at was myself when I wasn't being consistent or had bad shots and I knew I could do better. And that was only makes it more frustrating. Right. Cause like, you're like, no, I I can, what am I doing? So I was just like, I'm done. So you obviously play a lot. You love playing it. You're good at it. What keeps you coming back to such a frustrating game and how do you not let that affect? Like, how do you still enjoy it? Uh, so I enjoy it more now than I used to get super mad at it uh, when I would be playing and I was playing with my dad one time and I like threw a club and he told me he'd never play with me again if I got that mad uh, at golf again. So I feel like since then I've enjoyed it a lot more. Uh, I'll still get mad every occasionally, but not near as much. Uh, but for me, it's <clears throat> like, my index is a like a 4.2 right now and I really want to get it down closer to scratch. And so that's what keeps me, I would say coming back and I like doing it with my friends. So, you know, we, we play a lot together. I feel like there's a lot of business that happens on the golf course. You play with, you know, sponsors or, you know, potential partners, you know, race team owners, 
you know, so I feel like there's a lot that can be done on the golf course besides just playing golf, but I love the challenge. Uh, it is definitely, like you said, it's, it's you, y- your equipment isn't your problem. The golf ball is not the problem. The course isn't your problem. It's only you. And, uh, and I enjoy that. I, I enjoy the challenge. I could see that's, that's again, sort of like the athlete mentality, the competitor mentality where I'm just like, nah, like, I'll find something that. else to do. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, I mean, because golf takes up a lot of your time if you go right. Like it's a five, six hour process by the time you drive there, play, drive home, you know, like it's a, like, and if it's not that fun for you, then that's a, that's a lot of time wasted. Yeah. Yeah. I could, that's a good perspective too, for sure. Uh, in your career, what is the deal that came closest to happening that ended up not working out? There was one like back before I ever was racing, um, NASCAR, I was supposed to go to Australia and race sprint cars, uh, in the off season of 2000, kind of six, seven. And the deal fell through kind of right before I was about to get my plane tickets. And I I can't remember exactly what happened, but it fell through. And then the person that ended up going over to drive, um, they ended up blowing a bunch of motors and, you know, didn't really have a good, a good, you know, month or so anyway. So it worked out really well that, uh, that didn't happen, but I was super bummed. I was, you know, 18, 19 years old or whatever I was. And I was super bummed because I was really looking forward as I was, you know, just graduated high school. I was looking forward to going to Australia to race sprint cars. Like, um, that was something I had always thought about doing ever since I started racing sprint cars. So, so that's, that's sort of the, um, the best case scenario in those situations, right? Where it was great looking back at it. Like (laughs) I've still never been to Australia, but, um, that, that worked out well. Yeah. Right. Um, who is a person you would be starstruck by when meeting them? Probably like Kevin Costner, Matthew McConaughey, like something like that. Dude, Matthew McConaughey, that would be awesome to just sit there. No, like I just let him talk. And right, right, right. Like, I don't know. Probably one of those two. Like, I love all of Kevin Costner stuff, especially obviously lately with, you know, Yellowstone and, um, and all of that. But yeah, I would say, I would say those two. Okay. What is the single most important skill a race car driver can possess? Probably Phil. Phil, uh, okay. Phil between, I would almost say your like your butt and your head, right? Like for us, we fill the race car with the seat, and and obviously you fill it in the pedals and the steering wheel as well. But uh, I would say probably Phil. Your your reaction time is all. Like I would say fast reaction time, but like you still have to fill it before you kind of react to it. Right. So you don't know what to react to unless, yeah, unless you fill it. So mm-hmm. I would, I would say that. All right. What life lessons from a young age stick with you and affect your daily decisions as an adult? Probably. I mean, my dad instilled a lot in me, but, uh, I would say probably work ethic. Um, uh, my dad was all about making me work for, you know, anything that I did, uh, whether it be, you know, racing, bicycles, go-karts, playing 
football, basketball, baseball, um, you know, it was, you had to put the work in and, you know, whether it be in the shop, on the ball field, um, you know, at school, um, you know, putting the work in so that I have good grades so I could go do everything. Uh, there was always, you, know, you couldn't just go do something. Um, you, you had to, it was a process, right? So, uh, and that's still today, I feel like a, a big thing that, you know, you have to have to be successful in anything that you do. And so I would say work ethic and uh, just respect of, of of the the people around you. Nice. Okay. So each week I ask a driver to give me a question for the next interview. And the last one was um, Denny Hamlin. And uh, oh, right. so he says, early in your career, if you had the opportunity to go to cup three years before you did, but you were going to be with a marginal team at best and you were going to struggle and risk your ability to ever get a good ride at a top tier team, would you take that risk and gain the three years experience and bet on yourself to make it to the next level? Or would you stay patient, stay in the lower series for those years and then go right to a top team? I would take the latter. Um, you know, I think for me, you know, there was a point in time in 2000 after 2011 that, you know, there was talks at Roush of like, Oh, maybe, you know, you should go to cup. And I was like, Oh, I would let me run another year of Xfinity. And so we did. And then even at the end of that year, I was like kind of questioning, you know, whether I you know wanted to go to cup yet. And, you know, obviously Matt left and that kind of, you know, dealt the cards of, of, what I was going to do. And so uh, I still felt like I could have used another year um, just because I'd only been racing. I raced ARCA in 2008. I ran a partial schedule in 2009 and then half of 2010, I felt like was a waste um, until like kind of the end of the year. And then I had two really good seasons where I felt like I was learning a lot, but I still felt like I didn't know a ton. I was just out there, you know, racing and driving. So I would take the, I would take the latter for sure. That's interesting. It's, you know, I feel like sometimes you get, you know, the drivers, I feel like that, that self-awareness from a driver doesn't always exist in everybody where they just want to get there. Um, yeah, it's tough now. I feel like there's a lot of people that go like a lot of, there's a lot of talk of people going straight from trucks to cup, you know? And I look at, I look at that as if that was me and I'd be like, Oh, ain't there's no way I'm doing that. You know, I got to race those guys every every Saturday, just about most of them, you know? And I was like, these guys are good. Mm. <laughs> you know? And, and that's just, you know, back in Xfinity back then, there was, you know, seven to 10 of them every week. And I'm like, dude, the whole field is that good. Right. So I don't know. I, I, I looked at it a lot different. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I don't know who the next interview is with yet. So you could either give a question I could ask anybody or when I know who it is, I can get back with you and then you can uh, tailor it for them up to you. Let me get, let me come up with one for you. Sure. Uh, even if you don't have somebody ready. Um, let me think about that. I was not prepared for that one. No, that's all right. That's all right. Well, thanks again, man. I appreciate yeah, you doing you're this. Welcome. Yep. Have a good yeah, one. Thanks. See you. Bye. All right, everybody. There you have it. Ricky Stenhouse jr. On the 12 questions podcast. Appreciate his time. And I tell you what, next time somebody cuts me off in line somewhere, I think I'm just going to try to take the Ricky approach, his chill vibe. I really like that. Just stay even, you know? Seems like with everything he does, he's just kind of not too high, not too low. I, I, I think I could use some of that for myself. Anyway, 
season is starting to wind down now with the playoffs approaching. Only 10 more 12 questions interviews. And then, of course, we will change it up for next year with all new questions. Hope you've enjoyed this season. Would be interested to hear your feedback, of course, on what questions you like, what kind of questions, what you don't. Send me a tweet anytime at Jeff underscore Gluck or, you know, not a tweet anymore, an X, whatever they're calling it now. Anyway, appreciate you as always for listening. And I will talk to you next time on the 12 Questions Podcast.